Our scripture uh, today is John chapter 10, verse uh, 11 through 21. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? All right, we're in John chapter number 10, and we're going to walk through this uh, kind of expositorily in so kind of a free-flowing service today and, and message. I want us to take a moment and pray right now and to realize what we're talking about. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I lay down my life for my sheep. He said, my sheep know me and I know them. My sheep hear and know my voice. Amen? Now, how does that, what we call flesh out, how, how do we live that reality? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray again, okay? Father, thank you for this moment in time where we have, have read your word, we've heard your word, we have sung your word. And now, Father, we, we want to really hear from you about how that affects our life in body, soul, spirit, relationships, in every aspect of our life. We right now just submit ourselves before you. And we say, Lord, we are your sheep. And we do hear your voice. Help us to hear it better. In Jesus' name, amen. In this series on the I Am series, we have looked at I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, Jesus uh, said that so many times, I am, and in this particular incidence, he says, I am the good shepherd. But before we really can understand what he's talking about here as the good shepherd, we're going to back up a little bit in John chapter 10 and read some other things that he said, starting there in verse number 7. John 10 verse 7 says, Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Some of your translations might say, I am the door for the sheep. So we all can obviously see that the door and the gate are virtually the same thing. He says, I am the door or I am the gate for the sheep. In other words, he did not say, I have come to point you in the direction of the gate or to describe the gate, or to talk about the gate. But he said, I am the gate. 
In another area, he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the only way to get to God the Father. And that is an exclusion that a lot of people are not comfortable with. That is a singular statement that shows us a singular way. Many people would want to have many ways to get to God. Well, just kind of pick one and I think it'll work out. Pick that religion, this religion, this religion, that religion, doesn't really matter. They all lead to God. All roads lead to God. All religions lead to God. That's what many people believe. But that's not what the Bible says. And even if you take the Bible out of it, that doesn't make any sense anyway. Because there are some religions that don't even claim to lead you to God. And yet those are the ones included in this process of all roads lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the way. And the only way to be saved is through me. In verse number 8, he says, All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Well, saved from what? Saved from ourselves. Saved from sin. Saved from destruction. Jesus looks at us and he says, you like sheep, he is the gate, he is the shepherd. And he says, I've come to be that passageway into salvation. The passageway to salvation is narrow. The way to life is narrow. But I would declare to you today that life is great. And life is amazing, and life is huge, and life is big. The way to life is narrow, but life itself is huge because God wants us to experience the greatness of this life. And he recognizes that the devil has come to deceive and to trick us to settling for a substitute, settling for something smaller than what God has provided. Satan comes to bring us into a bondage, but Christ has come to set us free. And that's the abundant life that he has for us. So here he says, I'm the gate. I'm that way of salvation. And then he continues and he says, they will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. He says, they're going to come in and go out. Now this references to a time where they would have sheep and they would be open grazing, if you will, but many predators at night and many times they would bring their sheep into a corral, sometimes uh, nature-made and sometimes man-made, but there was always a gate. It was always a one-way in, one-way out. And so they would come in for a time of safety, but then they would be let out to find pasture. And that's what he's referencing. He's saying, I'm the gate. I'm the, I'm the open and close. I'm the one that you're going to come into and find that rest and that protection. But he says, you're going to go out and find pasture. You're going to go out from church. You're going to, he's not going to just live this small life inside of a pen or inside of this enclosure. He said, I want you to go out and find the abundance of life, to have experiences and have adventures and to have ministry. There is growth in knowing the word of God. Part of discipleship is knowing the word of God. Part of discipleship is knowing the flock or the body of Christ. But there's also a part of discipleship that must be a reality in our lives. And that is when we go out and we minister to other people. 
So thankful to be a part of a church that does that. And we're, we're not introverted, but we're extroverted. We're wanting to always look out and do more. And we can always do more. And as Hope Crossings is growing, and it's so beautiful to see the growth that God is bringing to Hope Crossings, as we grow, we can do more because we have more people. And so God is always calling us to look out and say, what other place can we minister? What other thing can we do? Who can we help bring into the kingdom of God? Discipleship is about knowing the word of God. Discipleship is about knowing the people of God. But discipleship is also about giving. It's about doing. And it's about ministry. There is a level of maturity that you will only reach if you're just reading the word of God and you're coming to church. Though obviously that's important. But there's a level of maturity that you reach when you recognize that I need to be a giver. And I need to be serving other people and loving other people. I know who I'm talking to today. We're doing that. But I still want 100%. I'll always want 100% because God is aiming for 100%. He says, you are my sheep. You're going to come in for safety. You're going to go out and find pasture. Many times we look at that pasture as like, oh yeah, the pasture, it's all about me. And I can just eat and consume and eat and consume. It's all about me. And yet Jesus, a little earlier in the Gospel of John, goes to a well. It's about noontime. The disciples go into the town to find some food, and they're going to bring it back to Jesus. But a woman who had had a pretty tumultuous life came out to draw draw water at that well. And Jesus and her had this conversation. And then she goes back into town. To tell everybody there, she says, hey, come out and meet a man that's told me everything about my life. Could he be the Messiah? In the meantime, the disciples come back with some McDonald's. They go, we tried to keep the fries warm for you. And Jesus says, I'm not hungry. They go, whoa, somebody bring him some food? And Jesus says, I have food you guys don't know anything about. He say, man, when I minister to people like that, it is nourishment to me. It is a food that you only get when you're giving. It's a food that you get. It's a nourishment. It's a satisfaction that you only get when you're serving someone else. How many times have we found it to be true that when we serve other people, we're like, man, that feels awesome. That feels great. And it really doesn't matter how they respond. It matters that we're doing it in the name of the Lord. And man, it brings nourishment to us. That's those pastures that he's talking about. Now we're going to skip over verse number 10. We're going to come back to that in a moment. But what Matt just read, starting at verse number 11, that's when he says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep know me and I, I know the sheep. But in between this, I am the gate and green pastures, and I'm the shepherd, and I care for my sheep, and I lead my sheep, and I love my sheep. Wedged right in between both of those realities is this wonderful verse that seems so out of place. Verse number 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes. He's telling us. He says, I'm the gate. Come on. You got life. 
You're going to be green pastures. It's going to be amazing. But the thief comes. The thief comes. Just because you have passed through that gate of Christ does not mean the thief is not going to come. The thief is going to come. The thief comes. It is a reality. If you go to church every Sunday, the thief comes. If you bring your tithe and submit it to the Lord, the thief comes. If you give above your tithe, the thief comes. If you raise your hands and sing out with a loud voice and glorify the Lord, the thief comes. If you're on the worship team, the thief comes. If you're teaching children, the thief comes. If you're ministering into the schools and into our community, the thief comes. The thief comes. That's a reality. And he has one thing to do, steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. That's his only assignment. He's come to steal your joy. He's come to steal your excitement. He's come to steal and rob you of that vastness of life, that, that imagination and that lust, if you will, and used in a good term, that lust for life and that lust for adventure. He said, he's come to steal that, to kill that and destroy that. He's come to rob you of your, your passion to serve Christ and to be a Christ follower. That's what he's done. He's come to steal your finances. He's come to steal your marriage and, and your relationships. He's come to steal your job. He's come to steal anything he can take from you and destroy anything that is good in your life. The thief comes. But don't you love that second part of the verse? And you knew I was going to get to that, right? Jesus said, but I have come to give you life abundantly. Amen. He said, I've come to give you life and abundant life or life more abundantly than you could ever imagine. That's what God has come for. That's what Christ came for. And so what, we, what do we do? He's the gate, pastures, greenness, yay. He's the shepherd, love and unity and lay down his life, yay. But that thief's coming. But he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And so what do we do? We're on guard. We're watching out. We're paying attention. Now, what if the Jackson County Police or Jefferson Hushton, whatever town you live in, were to send out a, a message saying, hey, listen, in your area, in your neighborhood, there's been some robberies happening. Late at night, people are having their houses broken into and thieves are taking stuff out. And you're like, whoa, okay. What would you do? Let me ask you, what would you not do? Would you lock your doors at night? Would you like make double sure? Would you leave your windows open at night? Leave your, car, your keys in your car? I mean, if they're going to steal, let's make it easy. You would some of you are like, I know what I'd do. <laughs> it's a sound no thief wants to hear, right? That pump action. We do live in the South. Our son lives in Texas. That's even worse, you know. I mean, like... Yeah, I mean, you would, you'd be ready. I don't think God wants you to like stay up all night, right? He gives us sleep. He wants us to sleep, but we got to be ready. Well, that's what he's saying. 
You love, you're in the pen, you're, you're green pastures, abundance of life, but the thief's coming. That's okay, but just be ready. Understand that God wants you to have abundant life. And so there's going to be a battle between this thief trying to steal and God blessing us with abundant life. The thief isn't going away for a long time. He's going to be around for a while, okay? He's going to be taken care of in the end, but right now, he's here. The devil tries to come and steal, kill, and destroy, but God says, I'm giving you abundant life. So just be on guard. Watch out. Be careful. Pay attention. Keep your eyes open, but don't worry about him. Just say, God, I'm going to live an abundant life that you provide for me. Can we do something right now? Can we just say abundant life out loud? Those two words, abundant life. You ready? Abundant life. That feel good? That's what God wants for you. He said, yeah, there's a devil, but I've come to give you abundant life. That's what he wants for us, and so that's what we now live in. So the devil wants to steal our health, but God says, I want to heal you. The devil comes to steal our finances. God said, I'll pour out blessing you cannot contain. The devil wants to steal our relationships. God said, I'll bring forgiveness and bring a unity that's a restoration. You name whatever Satan wants to steal, and God's got an answer for it. And so now we choose, I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to be aware, but I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like focus on the devil. I'm focusing on the one who gives me abundant life. So he says, I've come to give you abundant life. And then he gets into verse number 11, which is what we read. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Aren't you thankful? We serve a God who lays down his life for his sheep. In most religions, what do we find? Is that there's these requirements. In order to please God, you've got to give this and give that and give this and give that and give that and give and give and give and give and then maybe he'll be pleased. Maybe it'll be enough. Maybe the good and the bad, the good will outweigh the bad. Hope so. That's what some religions teach. You have to do stuff to please God to get in his good favor. Christianity is very different. Christianity says it is God who is given to you. He said, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why they put nails through his hands and through his feet and hung him on the cross because he's a giver. He was giving his life for all of my sin. And all of your sin. And the Bible says the sin of the whole world. The sin of the absolute whole world. Jesus has provided salvation for the world. But he is not the shepherd of everyone on the planet. He is the shepherd for those who have come through the gate. He is a shepherd for those who have come and said, I believe, I accept, I'm in. But it's only through Christ. So it's not about all the good things that we can do so then we can pass through the gate. No, we can pass through the gate of Christ. We can enter into life through Christ because of what he did on the cross. That's the difference in Christianity. 
It's not how much we do for God. It's how much he has done for us. And that's the game changer. That's the difference maker. That's Christianity. That he says, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. But the second thing we find in verse number 14 is that God knows and is known. He knows his sheep and the sheep know him. You see, the the longer you serve the Lord and the more you follow him, the longer you follow him, you just have a knowledge built on knowledge that's built on knowledge because we continue to learn more about this one that we follow and love and admire and worship. As new Christians and we're just starting off in that walk, no matter how old you are, you might be 10 or you might be 80, and if you just come to Christ as your Savior, you just have an elementary knowledge of God. And yet that knowledge continues and quickly builds on itself because we learn more and more and more. How many of you have been married 20 years or more? 20 years or more? Great. 30 years or more? 40 years or more? 50 years or more? 55 years or more? 60 years or more, it's coming. It's coming. Ralph and Victoria is soon to be 60 years. Let me ask you something. Do you know your spouse more than the two weeks after you got married? Are you better aware? You know? And it wasn't always easy, was it? Oh, see, it went silent on me there, you know. It's like, I, I agree. That's no man should say, yeah, amen, brother. That's right. It's not been easy. You're very smart to be silent. But knowledge builds on knowledge, and it's not always easy. And what happens is that we're, we're growing in our knowledge of the Lord and our experience, and we're learning how to minister to other people and love and give. And, but something happens. And it interrupts that process of knowledge. God knows us. Some some people say, well, God put me through a trial because he wanted to know if I could handle it. Look, he already knows. He's got that part under. You need to know if you can handle it. I need to know. There was a time in my life when I interrupted the process of growing in my knowledge of God. I allowed a misunderstanding of God. I, I had a picture of God and how, who he was and how he was going to treat me and what was going to happen in my life. And when that didn't happen and something, something else was happening, I was like, whoa, time out. I didn't sign up for this. He said, yeah, you did. You just didn't, you didn't want to read that part of it. You didn't want to read about the part about trials and tests and tribulation and difficulties. Is all supposed to be nice and wonderful and great and awesome and great and wonderful. And that's what I had been taught. And I allowed the interruption of my knowledge of God and the growth of my knowledge in God. And it was not good. It was a, the, the lowest time in my life. I'm very thankful to God that he just carried me through that process. And I know he's carried you through some of that process too. He's carried you in your weakest times and your weakest moments Because we get to the point where we have that difficulty in life and that crisis in the midnight hour, and we're just going like, what? And God says, I'm going to carry you through this. Come on, I got it. 
I, I know how this ends. Come on, I got you. And if we'll just lean back into his arms and we'll say, God, I need you to carry me through this, he will. And what happens is we begin to learn more about God and who he is and how he operates. God does not need to know you better or me better. We need to know him better. God says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Lisa and I have three children, Tyler, Amanda, and Caitlin. Tyler named his Chewbacca because every time she opened her mouth, she sounded just like Chewbacca on Star Wars. Amanda named hers Cinderella because that was her favorite Disney character. And Caitlin named hers Adeline because that was the middle name of one of her grandmothers. Those three, Chewbacca, Cinderella, and Adeline, started Lisa and I's adventure with sheep. Our kids were in high school and middle school. They got involved in FFA, Future Farmers of America. And one of the advisors said to our little daughter, Caitlin, you could show an animal at a county fair and get a blue ribbon. Well, you said animal, she's in. And so... She came home and she said, we, I can show an animal. My advisor told me I could show an animal. We're like, okay, what are we talking about? He said, cow, a pig, or a sheep. We're like, we're not farmers. We live in a subdivision. So we're like, cows aren't going to work. Cows are big and heavy and they eat a lot. To be that big, you have to eat a lot. Pigs. Well, pigs are pigs. And we thought lambs. No, they're cute little things. Okay, lambs. Well, okay. So we, we got somebody that owns some lambs, and we heard about them. They had pasture. So anyway, we get three lambs, Chewbacca, Cinderella, and Adeline. Our little flock of three eventually grew to about 25, and it was a blessed and happy and wonderful day. When we went to nothing. It was, it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day. Kind of like the best two days when a man owns a boat. When he gets it and when he sells it. But anyway. We had a great time for those six years of being shepherds. And, and dealing with sheep of four, the four-legged kind. And we learned a lot about sheep. And we, we first learned that they don't know you. They don't know what your intentions are. They don't know whether you're friend or foe. And that's what I couldn't understand at first. We got these sheep, and I'm a really nice guy, and I'm going in there, and I'm like, I want to, you know, just kind of pet them and all. They're like, I don't have nothing to do with you, buddy. I don't know you. I don't know you at all. And I couldn't get near them. And I tried, as my, I tried to trap them. Well, that didn't go well. <laughs> and so I had to come with a different approach. So I took a five-gallon bucket, and I put it out there in the pasture, and I brought a book, and I said, I'm just going to sit here in this pasture. It wasn't a big pasture. It was small. So I'm just going to sit here, and let's see what happens. So I just sat there, and they just kind of wandered around. I was there about 30 minutes or an hour. I got to read anyway, so might as well read in the pasture, right? I don't know what people were thinking about driving by, but who cares? So I'm just reading, and they just start, and, and then, the, the, you know, about a week later, I did the same thing, and they get a little closer and a little closer, and Chewbacca, the biggest, most beautiful sheep we ever had, just gorgeous sheep, 
chewing the grand champion, breeding you and all that stuff. And so finally, she came up a little bit close to me, and I was able to just kind of reach over and touch her, and then she walked away. <laughs> but the next time she came up, and I was able to just pet her, and it was just a few days later, she came over, and she put her big, giant head right on my shoulder. And I knew we're good. She weighed 200 pounds. And she just lays her head on my shoulder. And I learned something about people and God. And I learned how to do a little better job of ministering to people and introducing them to God. Sometimes Christians want to force people to love Jesus. And you know, you can't force love. Hello? Can't force love. I was trying to force my love on the sheep. Man, I'm, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to feed you and medicate you. And I'm going to. They were like, I don't know you. But I went out there and I just sat down and they were able to slowly approach and slowly get to know that he's probably okay. And then from then on, it was good. That's the, that's the way we need to approach ministering to people, bringing them to Christ. You have to come to know the Lord. You have to go to church. Now that, no. Just do like that woman that Jesus met at the well. Remember, she went back into town. What did she say? She said, just come and see. Just come and see. Just, just come on and see. And that's what we just do in our, in our evangelism. Just tell people, just come on, just, just come and see. The Lord's good. Just don't take my word for it. Come and see. And that's what we do at Hope Crossings, we're just saying, come and see and let the Lord minister to people the way they need to be ministered to. God knows his sheep, and he knows them. God always wants to add to our life, add understanding, add acknowledgement, add to our life. Verse number four, uh, verses uh, 19 through 21 talk to us about the fact that the good shepherd awaits your decision. He awaits your decision. There were Jews there that were listening to him, and they were kind of split on what was happening. One of them, a couple of them said, man, this guy is crazy. Why would anyone want to listen to him? But the other people were like, I don't think so. This guy, these are not the words of somebody this demon possessed. They were split on their decision. And for since then and now and there will always be, there will be a split decision about Jesus. Some people will look at him and say, nope, no way. And some will look at him and go, I think, I think this is pretty well right. What about you? What about you? What is your decision about Jesus? It's not what is your decision about Hope Crossings or what is your decision about whatever denomination, the Baptist, Presbyterian. That's not it. What is your decision about Jesus? Jesus said, I'm the gate. I'm the way to life. And when you pass through my gate, man, life opens up and it's great. There's an enemy trying to steal, but I've given you abundant life. And he said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus laid down his life for you. Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for all of my sin, all that I've ever committed and all that I ever will commit. Jesus hung on the cross for my sin and your sins too. 
Jesus knows you, but do you know him? If you've come through the gate, you know him. If you haven't come through that gate, you don't know him. You may have heard about him. You may know some things about him, and that's good. That's a start. That's wonderful. But I'm talking about do you know him? It's like these couples that we talked about, and you know they, they had to, to get married in order to be married 50 years. They had to come to that point where they said yes to one another. Well, I got good news for you. Jesus has already said yes to you. He's just waiting to hear your response. Are you going to say yes to him? He said yes when he was hanging on a cross. He said yes to you. Yes, I will accept you. Yes, I will forgive you. Yes, I will allow you to go through this gate or this door into security, into salvation. He's saying yes to being your shepherd. But unless you've come through that gate of Christ, then Christ is not your shepherd. But he wants to be. He has said yes to you. Will you say yes to him? And you can do that today. You can't join Hope Crossing today. You can't become a member of Hope Crossing today because that's not important when we're talking about salvation. It's a matter of saying yes to Jesus. Say, okay, God, yes. I want to come through that gate of salvation, and I want you to be my shepherd. And you can do that right now, today. And that's when life begins to open up. And that's when the devil, he's still going to be there, but you've got now somebody that says, get back, devil. That's what Jesus will do for you. Get back, devil. Nuh-uh. This is one of my sheep. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, that person said yes to me. Now they receive my full blessing. They receive the abundant life that I've planned for them. Will you say yes to Jesus today? You can do it right now.